0: It was about a month after the date of Zanoni's departure and Glendon's introduction to Maynor, when two Englishmen were walking arm-in-arm through the Toledo. I tell you, said one, who spoke warmly, that if you have a particle of common sense left in you, you will accompany me to England. This Maynor is an impostor, most dangerous, because most in earnest than Zanoni. After all, what do his promises amount to? You allow that nothing can be more equivocal. You say that he left Naples, that he has selected a retreat more congenial than the crowded thoroughfares of men to the studies in which he is to initiate you. And this retreat is among the haunts of the fiercest bandits of Italy, haunts which justice itself dares not to penetrate, fitting hermitage for a sage. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by the SyncBook.com. You can find our archives at 42Minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42Minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets, at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's March 21st, 2022. Tomorrow is a tree fort, but tonight we will be initiated into the mysteries of the Rosy Cross. And our mentor will be Zanoni. Zanoni is an 1842 novel by Edward Bulwer-Lytton, a story of love and occult aspiration. By way of introduction, the author confesses, it's so chanced that some years ago in my younger days, whether of authorship or life, I felt the desire to make myself acquainted with the true origins and tenets of the singular sect known by the name Rosie Crucians. A manuscript came into his hands written in the most unintelligible cipher. A manuscript which through the author's own interpretation became Zanoni. Zanoni is a lyrical romantic tragedy set against the backdrop of the French Revolution featuring the last two members of a secret group of alchemists who have discovered the elixir of life. Beginning in the artistic milieu of painting and music, it is full of picaresque melodrama and often digresses into idealistic aesthetic reflections typical of the Romantic period, including abundant quotes from various poets such as Ariosto and Goethe. Bulwer-Lytton's ultimate purpose in Zanoni, which draws on Gothic motifs, was to move beyond the Gothic To a revised definition of the spiritual life. Zanoni is a man of an unstated number of years who sacrifices his prospects of earthly immortality to accept human love as a result meeting his death on the scaffold in the French Revolution. His fabled is a reworking of many of the motifs not only of his previous novels but of the post Jacobin reformism of William Godwin and others in the Shelley circle. Woman see, the orphan smiles, the fatherless are the care of God. Good evening, Snor, how are you doing?
1: Oh, very good. How are you, Doug?
0: I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, uh, did you love this book?
1: Uh, um, I don't (laughs) know. Okay, good, uh, good. (laughs) um style wise maybe not but uh idea wise i did yeah
0: okay but so you were able to get through the style to the ideas
1: yeah and parts of the style i did like quite a lot too like i got into it um yeah it reminds me of the last man that kind of style and other other works of that uh, like that in in the uh 19th century so um, so do I, you I, think... I got into it. I I would like to read it all out loud myself to get into it more, I think.
0: Well, I think there is something about the prose that you have to Yeah, I don't know. It's not clunky, but it's definitely not a diction that we're used to right. per se. Right. It almost felt a touch of like the King James to me.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: But it's almost like they're affecting the King James prose, you know, like they're imitating that loftiness. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, that was the style at that time, like a certain, um, yeah, sort of, I I guess we'll talk about that. But like the gothic novels and and novels of that sort that were coming out, um, yeah, late. Seventeenth, uh, late eighteenth hundred, and uh, late eighteenth century, and then in the nineteenth century, that sort of style where they do, yeah, they they go back to the King James, thee and thou, and oh, yeah, yeah. That's affected prose, but um, it works in this book. I think I'd, I I like it. Yeah, it's just it's it, it's um, it's hard really to flow through. Um, but like I said I think if you read it out loud you would get more into the prose
0: Well, so that's funny because I listened to a version of it and the guy was not very good it was a free version and that's why probably the guy was not very good but um, he was almost a distraction I I can see what you're saying this might have been the worst audio book I've ever listened to, oh really okay, that's... <laughs> well, just because so I could see that he was mispronouncing a lot of words, but like it wasn't like <laughs> it was it was fine, there weren't mistakes, it wasn't stuttery, you know, like when I read things, I'm always having to edit out so many little flubs, but the, it just seemed like the the reader had a good flow, but he didn't know words like uh solitude their solitude came up a lot in this book um and he pronounced it saltitude and I'm like, what is what is this word he keeps saying what is this alchemical pun that he's making maybe it probably was <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but the i guess from a from a literary criticism standpoint I don't know if I ever really got a sense of the different characters. Oh, really? Not yeah. I mean, but maybe that's me. And so I was I was distracted by too many other things to really feel them as people.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting. Like you might not have heard this if you're listening to an audiobook, but on the uh, on the public uh the published version of this um i guess it's in one of the later editions but the author posted a note as a sort of appendix and it's written by he doesn't say he said it. He, he says it's a well-known author but this author um writes this passage called zanoni explain and he goes through all the characters and then and shows them as types like manure, or however you said. How did you? Say I don't. That?
0: I don't know. I I was saying manor, but
1: even even in the book, it's saying that people don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> so Maynour, I don't know. And yeah, he represents, that's how
0: my reader was saying it, and I didn't. I, like that guy can't be right. I can't say.
1: <laughs> he represents science, and Zanoni is idealism, and the um, the. Uh, Glendon is unsustained aspiration but so he goes through these as as different types um and I guess with Bulwer-Lytton's um approval because he he tacks us on to the end of it so um I, I guess that's sort of one way to read it um so it, yeah for me I think the characters are pretty well defined like and in, in really well distinguished from one another
0: and then as far like you did did you feel propelled by the plot?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, uh, see, the only problem was i I this is a problem when I read books. If I don't have time to read big chunks at a time, um, I don't get as propelled. So with this book, um, that was a problem. I was only reading little chunks of it at a time, and so it was sort of. Disconnected in a little bit, but but when I did have a chance to read quite a bit of it, I yeah for sure I was propelled, especially by the uh, um, especially by the time we got to uh, Dweller uh, at the threshold, um, and then all the French Revolution stuff after afterwards. It was it was really interesting.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, if you recall, oftentimes the books that I struggle with in the book club, I usually. Talked about how much I disliked them. And then it was kind of a slog for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that with Otta. And I did that with The Last Man. And I did that with Mrs. Dalloway. <laughs> I did it with The Recognitions the first time. I didn't get anything out of Ulysses the first time. Like, I think just the bath. Like, that's what I took with me out of the first time we did Ulysses was him laying in the bath with his soap. You know but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I don't really, so like the interesting thing to me was learning that Bulward Lytton was part of this tradition, like this Godwinian circle. you know, and they were doing interesting things. but I couldn't really tell if if he was like a lesser figure. You know, in terms of, was he, I don't think that Zanoni was an appreciated book. I think maybe some of his other books were appreciated. I think I read that maybe he was friends with Charles Dickens. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and Dickens liked this book. I, actually, the uh, the influence of this book is, is quite huge, really. Um, like that whole idea of dweller. At the threshold, he sort of introduces that idea in in a in a in a popular sense, anyways, because that that gets picked up by uh, by Blavatsky and the Theosophical Society, and then and then afterwards Rudolf Steiner um, takes it on, and then and then Crowley's into it as well, like that. Um, so uh, and and then that whole idea of like the uh, the sort of Rosicrucian immortal, right? Um, that has such a massive influence right and that's what we've been talking about with bowie as well you know like um so i think i think actually the influence of this book is maybe bigger than any of his other books
0: well Uh, when you read okay yeah that's i mean although
1: i know his book on um what is it pompeii the fall of pompeii or something like that i think that's his uh his most well-known book, you know, but, uh, but this one in terms of influence, I think it's, it's the biggest, you know, mm. um, although he's got another book, I think I'm going to read that next. It's actually, um, bound in the same book that I have. Um, it's a, it's a later book called the coming race. And that's yeah. when he talks about the viril right? And that ends up being a huge influence on like proto nazi groups in in Germany you know like a, um, but I don't know, yeah, he's definitely tapping into something huge, and he is very well connected to um uh like blavatsky and and crowley these guys are all convinced that that lytton Litton was an initiate himself yeah.
0: so um here's something we'll we'll dig into this plot a little bit here in a second but so before we started like we kind of did a we were gonna read melville and then we took kind of a hard right and said now let's try something else and then before i started reading this i mean maybe i i dipped into there's like four introductions or something there's prefaces and yeah maybe it's all kinds of front matter before you actually start into the book proper. But I thought I want to I want to look at the actual documents, the Rosicrucian documents. And mm-hmm. so there's like, is it Frater Fraternius or something, and some other thing. Uh, oh, fa- I'm an
1: actor. Fama Fraternitatis or something, I think. Yeah. Um, so you looked into that?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it because it's it's dry and it just was not where my head was at. So, mm-hmm. but I did do the alchemical wedding. Oh, well, okay, yeah,
1: yeah, I've read that too. Um, uh, Frances Yates, um, she has a book called The Rosicrucian Enlightenment. That's sort of a scholarly work about the Rosicrucians, and she she attaches that, I think, at the back. So I'm I'm familiar with that too.
0: And I really enjoyed it. Both <laughs> kind of as a strange tale, but then also as like um so like you can tell that there there um there's symbolism going in on going on in there that, you know, are is alchemical, right? Yeah. I might yeah. Oh no, oh for sure, in, yeah. That's that's yeah. yeah. I mean I it's not like That's not the only thing that's going on because it does hold up as like a story, but it also is. And so it's interesting because this book is also similar in that same way where you're saying that the characters are all representative of certain ideals or functions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in talking about this, and like you're saying, um, it's a... It has a lot of influence i mean david bowie put it on his 100 books that you have to read and and that's like enigmatic to me because we've kind of trying we've been trying to get in his mind and when i you read the plot of this there is this kind of the man who fell to earth quality to it oh definitely yeah
1: i was going to ask you you posted at one point in the email um talking about zanoni you posted a picture from a movie, I guess, of David Bowie in kind of like a uh, old style dress, and he and he's looking sort of lovingly on a younger woman. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, sure. Where is that from? So he did he did a Gucci commercial, and so there's a song uh, I'd rather be high, I think, oh, off yeah. the next day. Yeah but it's the Venetian mix. Uh-huh. And it's because the harpsichord's in there and it's Italian. I was th- thinking, uh, you know, that's that's what this book felt like to me.
1: I mean, that picture matches perfectly of what we've been talking about, about Bowie and then and then Zanoni. Like that's so easy from that picture. It's so easy to, uh, to see Bowie as Zanoni there and then whoever that woman is, Leno <laughs> del rey or whoever it is <laughs> it's as, just uh, it's a model
0: viola, of yeah, viola right. right right okay so then yeah, wow well, what so in terms of the way this is structured in in multiple books right mm-hmm. so you have what do you what do you make of that
1: um like why it's structured in multiple books
0: uh what am I trying to say here? We kind of like what is the, what is the meaning of so the first book is the musician the second do you have are you able to discern any meaning out of these seven parts and the like what what's going on here?
1: Yeah, so it's structurally yeah, book, book 1 is the magi- uh, magician and then book two is Art, Love, and Wonder. Book three is uh, Theurgia. Um, book four is The Dweller of the Threshold. Book five is The Effects of the Elixir. Book six is Superstition, Deserting Faith. And then book seven is The Reign of Terror. Um, and then inside those books, there are several chapters. In the, in the last book, book seven, the last uh, chapter is the seventeenth chapter, and it's the only chapter that's that's named. It's called the seventeenth and last, um, which made me think of something. Um, uh, I'll get into I'll get into this later. I don't know if I'll get into this now, but uh, Edward Bulwer Lytton was apparently a friend, or at least it's kind of tricky the relation between them at least a uh, a follower or a reader of uh Aliphus Levy or Aliphus Aliphus um, and so Aliphus Levi, is, is he was a devotee of the uh, the tarot he sort of um, updated the tarot in a way made it made it modern and uh Aliphus Levy is very important because Crowley was a huge devotee of him and Aliphas Levy died in 1875 and that was the year that Crowley was born and Crowley sort of considered that he was a he was a reincarnation of Levy um and so anyways uh Levy was really into the the tarot um like he like I said he was he was one of the ones who sort of modernized the tarot and uh and, and he he has a he has a, a book called what is it like the uh, the key to the mysteries I think and uh, it was I think translated and and introduced by Crowley and so seventeen there like so he goes through the numbers he goes through the the symbolic significance of the numbers and of course seventeen he matches with the star card right and that's the coming together of this sort of like this luminous kind of conjoining of things. And so I think that's what happens in, in that chapter of the last book, you know. Um, it's signified by the star card. But I I don't know about all the other books. Like why there why are there seven books, seven seem significance? I, I was going to add up all the chapters of every book. I, I didn't do that and try to find out how many chapters are in total. And that might tell us something else. Um,
0: So I found a little thing, if it's to be trusted, book one has 10 chapters, book two has 10 chapters, book three has 18 chapters, book four has 11, book five has six, book six has nine, and then book seven has 17.
1: Yeah, what what were you going to say about that?
0: I, I'm not. I'm just trying to understand if if he's doing anything more, like if if there's more meaning going on yeah, underneath yeah. underneath oh, okay. that st- structure. Then
1: yeah, me too. I I thought you had a, a big reveal about that, but um, no, I, got, I I
0: don't. <laughs> I don't have any reveals about this. Um, Is we, it could,
1: all... we could add this up. Do, do a live, uh, a live,
0: uh, <laughs> Mapping.
2: Uh, take. Uh,
1: <laughs> I was gonna do this anyway, so I, I, I was looking into so much stuff. Okay, so we've got uh, ten in the first, ten in the second, Sick. ten plus ten. What's the
0: next? Plus eighteen plus eight eleven plus
1: eighteen.
0: Plus
1: 11. Plus 6. Plus 6. Plus 9. Plus 9. Plus 17. Plus 17, that's 7, eh? Okay, let me check. 10 plus 10 plus 18 plus 11 plus 6 plus 9 plus 17 equals 81. Well, it doesn't tell us much, but uh, 81's uh, 81's, a... Nine nine, so that that might be something, right? Um, so, I, yeah, nine is a huge number for uh, Dante and a lot of people, but uh, so that that might have something to do with it. But no, I, I haven't I haven't heard of any anything about the breakdown of the book. But the only the only um, thing that's mentioned somewhere, I don't know where I saw this was. Remember in the uh, introduction, right? Like sort of the frame story, right? Yeah. I might might just explain what that is. Like uh, it's this man, and I guess it's Bulwer-Lytton himself. um, He goes into this old bookstore, and he wants to do some research about the Rosicrucians. And while he's there, um, old man comes into the shop, and starts talking to the bookstore owner and Boer Lytton or whoever is overhearing them speaking and he realizes that this guy actually knows something about the the Rosicrucian so he he becomes uh, acquainted and then friends with this old man and, and, and kind of becomes a disciple of him and then finally the old man gives him a manuscript and the manuscript is this book and so then it turns out after, I, I didn't even realize that at the beginning, but it, it turns out afterwards that the old man is Glinden, right? Did you know that when you were reading it? Or? No. No, and I didn't see, I didn't know that t- until just today either, but, uh,
0: um, and so. Uh, were, were you able to find some things that were ex- explicating this text?
1: Um, I just read that one essay that you posted, I'd, I'd found it earlier, about um, its connection to uh, gothic fiction and uh, William Godwin and, and Shelley and, and, and all of that. Um, and in that essay it mentions that, yeah, this is actually old Glyndon who's actually giving him the manuscript, which makes so much sense, you know, it's like, where does it come from? Um, so Glyndon is the one who's, who's written this all down and then he's given it to Bulward-Lytton. And Bulwer in in the frame story at least, is uh is editing it and reworking it, and then it it comes out as Zanoni. Um, but in the introduction, in the introduction, um, the old glendon talks to um, Bulwer lytton whoever, about the Rosicrucians and says it, it's but a branch of an older order which includes the Platonists, and then he starts talking about. Um, Plato and the Phaedrus, although he doesn't uh, he doesn't mention where it comes from, but he talks about the Phaedrus, and in the Phaedrus, it's talking about these four levels of of mania, um, and these are music, and then telestic or mystic mania, and then the third one is um, prophecy, prophetic mania, or prophetic madness, and then the last one is love, and that is apparently one of the uh, and and then he mentions i think he mentions that they usually um i don't even know if plato talks about this but they usually happen in a sequence right so you go from musical to uh mystic to prophetic to love and then love is the highest sort of mania and then eventually to the one right to the platonic one which is what the phaedric phaedrus is about and so Um, that's one of the breakdowns apparently of the book is that it explores all these different types of mania. Right.
0: And that might be that structure that we're trying to get.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's what I, that's the only thing I could think of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, uh, like the musical side is, is, is obvious the musical mania with, uh, viola's father. Right. Who, uh, well, I,
2: I
0: felt more connected to him than any of the other characters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I liked him too. (laughs) Uh, And what was his violin was called like the barbaton or something.
1: Oh yeah. 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 The part where um, Viola becomes sort of a famous opera singer and then, and then he's sort of, jealous of her and in a way sort of depressed because she's ignoring his own music and then and then at the end she reveals that she's going to sing one of his operas and everybody else had shunned him up to this point of as being a madman and he's so he's so touched like that's such a that's such a beautiful moment between a a father and a daughter you know um so i I thought that was great
0: I, it prompted me to go back and revisit our talk about the Last Man, though, and there are some interesting similarities. Like that book also had this weird device to begin into it, mm-hmm. you know, like the sibyl and the leaves, and so
1: it's oh,
0: like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like here is this step, oh, yeah. And so I thought that was strange, but so this book, um, Zanoni, came out in eighteen forty-two. The Last Man. Came came out in 1826 but i do think that like he was connected to that circle and so Mm -hmm. this was like this this time and these people are still yielding more interest but then the other thing was i was kind of thinking about like the kind of philosophies that they're playing with um may have led to the rationalism that uh uh, they were rejecting in the underground man, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. This is um, this is what I think we'll get into uh, shortly, you know, because th- that's I think is is the major theme in this book and the major the major sort of puzzle of this entire period is how how these ideas sort of clash and how these these different secret societies basically behind them clash. Um, but yeah, we can we can get into that.
2: But it, well, do, you, do you
1: want do you want to uh, do you want to summarize or anything, or talk about like uh, just uh, give an idea to anybody who's listening <laughs> what, this, what this is about?
0: Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to type in Gothic fiction right here, and then let's look at this uh, thing again. All right, so it has seven pieces, right? So mm. What is the point of the first piece? Are you able to sum that up in Um, any fashion? So the first piece was about... Was the musician. I guess I can... Yeah. That's, you know, Viola's kind of coming of age story and then Zanoni being the mysterious figure that comes to town once and and then she becomes, you know, famous and then he comes back. You yeah i that's fair
1: yeah and then her relationship with her father who's playing violin constantly he har- he he doesn't really even speak he just goes into this manic violin playing all the time you know um and then he finally passes and then that's when she uh and her, and her mother passes as well right. right yeah so viola yeah i think it's an important thing to add is that she's half italian and half english her mother's english Um, and then she passes and then, um, her first, her first day at the opera and she's all nervous and she's doing her father's opera and her father, like I said, was, uh, um, considered very, uh, very sort of marginal and outcast basically. And so that she's almost flubbing the entire thing. Like she's almost, it's almost about to crash and burn. And then she sees somebody in the audience and just the expression of this guy's face in the audience inspires her. And the whole thing turns into this, the the greatest success. And this guy in the audience turns out to be Zanoni. Um, And so for, for her, it's sort of love at first sight, I guess
0: okay that's that's the musician chapter and then we move into the art of love no art love and wonder right but then so we do meet glendon the british guy before who's a painter and it seems like he's the one who introduces us to zanoni maybe like,
1: his his circle does, yeah. Like he pops yeah. up in that circle of people who are talking together. Um, yeah, Clarence Glyndon and then uh, his friend, his other English friend, uh, Merval. Uh, yeah, who you quoted from at the beginning.
0: Yeah, uh, and then so in the next book, Glyndon is pursuing Viola, Viola, Viola um what else happens anything
1: um yeah I can't remember the breakdown but but it's like a um yeah viola has all these sort of rivals for her affection including Glindon, including Zanoni who who loves her but doesn't want to get involved because he's on a sort of higher quest um ends up does he ends up getting really involved but uh and then there's this prince who i can't remember his name um
0: oh yeah i think he he kills the prince uh,
1: uh the prince maybe that's getting, another prince the prince gets up to end the it ends up getting killed in a brawl um but it seems as if zanoni provokes the brawl that gets him killed um so the thing is about Zanoni, he's, he, he's, he's been around forever. Like in, in one part, uh, Menur or Menor, um, mentions that he's been around for 5,000 years. And, and Zanoni himself is called the Chaldean. And his name is supposedly derives from a Chaldean word meaning the sun. So it's, um, it's as if he's been, Zanoni's been around for that long as well. Um, and then the two initiates, they're supposed to be the last in their line of initiates, the last of the, the great uh, Rosicrucian or even further back um, immortal initiates. Um, it's Zanoni who is, he has this sort of eternal youth. He became, I guess, enlightened when he was a youth. Um, and so he sort of retains this youthfulness and this youthfulness of character. And then Mejnnuur is uh, um, he had become enlightened as an old an older man or as an old man. and so uh, he's not involved. He, he He's more sort of um, strictly involved in the sort of scientific um, understanding of the world. Um, in, in in an occult sense, I mean, but uh, um, but he's 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 not tied in with society at all. He could he could give a shit where where society goes, you know. Um, he's he's only involved in his own uh, his own occult studies, kabbalistic studies. Um, whereas Zanoni has more of a passion for humanity and the arts and and what's actually going on.
0: Yeah, and, and as I was reading some of those, some of those people that were writing about this, they were, you know, talking about how that was similar to some of what those, um, like, God Godwin was doing in Caleb Williams, or that kind of political, you know, humanistic type writing. Mm. Um what what about theurgia I mean, I felt like that chapter went book, on and on. Yeah, you, uh, yeah,
1: yeah that, um, let's see where that starts. That's I thought that was one of the interesting ones. Um, yeah, so so eventually, it's
0: magic, right? So if you have music, art, love, and wonder, and then book three is magic. And then I guess book four, you're crossing the threshold. You know, like maybe it's the introduction to the magic.
1: Well, that yeah. So so what ends up happening is is Glinden, um, who does sort of want to get together with Viola, but he's sort of a uh, he's an artist, but he's also from a uh, I think I, I guess like a higher class family in in Britain, and he feels a bit embarrassed. To get married to Viola, who's who's basically a, uh, an actress and a musician, right? Um, but uh, but he loves her. But finally, he convinces himself to forsake her and study theurgia, right? Um, study magic, and he ends up being the uh, the pupil. He wants to be the pupil of Zanoni, but Zanoni. Doesn't take him on because he, he ends up, Zanoni himself falling in love with Viola. So uh, Glindon's teacher is Menur. And that gets into the, the Dweller of the Threshold, right?
0: Okay. And so uh, <laughs> this, I think I, I just kind of started falling apart as far as my reading goes at this point, what what happens in the uh, in book four, The Dweller of the Threshold?
1: Yeah, so that, um, so <clears throat> like you read in, in the intro quotation, um, Glinden goes out into the countryside, the Italian countryside, and ends up meeting Menur in this uh, abandoned old castle where he's living. And that is to be the place where he is to become initiated into the theurgic arts, um, and so he's studying with Manure, and Manure is like uh, realizing that. Well, he, he he sort of doubts his ability to uh, Glendon's ability to to actually. Um, put himself into it. I think Glyndon's only like 24 years old at the time or something like that. And he's an artist and he's like, he's young and he's an artist and he has all these other aspirations. Um, and so Maynour basically tests him by leaving the castle and saying, don't go into my uh, secret laboratory and don't play with anything there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so of course he does. Uh, Maynour goes away and of course Glyndon goes there and then finds a table in the middle of the the room and there's a huge old book open to this page and it says do not fear and something like that and so uh, glendon takes it it's it, it sort of it's sort of the uh, it's sort of the temptation story all over it's the the story of the the garden of eden he's he's sort of sucked into he thinks that Menor is actually wanting him or he convinces himself anyways that Menorah actually wants him to, to check out these things. And so he goes onto the shelves, he finds these elixirs, he opens it, and uh, he basically initiates himself, which he wasn't ready for at all. Um, and so he goes to the threshold of of initiation, and then that's where he becomes haunted by the guardian of the threshold. And, and there's a whole ton of stuff to say about it that but yeah we might get into that after we do the summary um and so basically that's what happens to him he's he becomes he becomes haunted by the the guardian of the threshold which is this demonic entity um which stalks him everywhere he goes so he's 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 basically haunted he's haunted and he's a haunted and doomed man and then manure comes back and finds out that he's been messing with his stuff. And it, he reveals to Glinden that it was all a test for him and that he failed the test. And therefore, he's doomed for eternity. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, so, so at that point, he... Um, I, I don't... I can't remember... Uh, I guess it gets into book five now—the effects of the elixir—and um, so uh, Glinden goes all over the place. He he, he tries to heal himself. He, he, first, he tries to find Manur all over the place, and uh, he wants to find him and he wants Manur to to get rid of this entity that's haunting him, and he can't find him. He find he finds him once at this carnival, and and then uh, and then he slips away. Uh Minoru slips away after saying something very pertinent to uh Glendon. And then Glendon ends up going back to England. He meets his friend Merval again and he meets his sister who who comes to live with him. And then finally he reveals to his sister about this entity that's haunting him, the guardian of the threshold. And it ends up it ends up making her go insane. Just the the horror of it all, and then she dies, and then finally Glyndon moves to France, right in the thick of the revolution, and right at the time of the uh, the reign of Robespierre's reign of terror. Um, and uh, yeah, do you wanna do you wanna say anything else?
0: Yeah, I'll say that was forty two minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. <laughs> you've been listening to the 42 minute seasonal book club production of syncbook radio and the syncbook.com for more information about the sync book our guests check out past shows or subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. please be sure and visit our website at syncbook.com if you liked this podcast check out others as currently all the syncbook radios syncbook radio archives are free We also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need. Just type book club and the links appear. All this and more can be found at Stinkbook.com. Thanks so much and I tremble for you.
2: I went to Paris, Texas, with a suitcase in my hand. No! Oh.